Last year, we launched our course, The Data-Driven Classroom, and had hundreds of educators and clinicians take this course with consistently amazing feedback. I heard from so many teachers how this course really changed the way they approach data, how they were able to set up simple data systems, train their paras, and be collecting data to make data-based decisions within days of finishing the course. That feedback made me so happy. Now that course has been closed and unavailable since last year, but guess what? We are reopening the course, the data-based classroom, and I want you to be one of the first ones in. If data is something you have been struggling with for years, let's work on this together. Let me give you all of the tools to make this something that can consistently happen in your classroom. And guess what? Since you are a podcast listener, and I absolutely love my podcast listeners, I have an awesome code for you. When you use the code DATA100, you're going to get $100 off of the course bundle. Now, this code is only going to be usable until March 20th. So you only have one week to use this code, but Data 100 will get you $100 off of that course bundle. So that means for less than $200, you are getting the amazing data toolkit with literally hundreds of data sheets, all editable. And don't worry, I teach you how to edit it. And that entire data-driven course that touches on academic data, behavior data, staff training, and so much more. There's a link in the show notes with all of the information. Let's make this year the year that data really works. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. I have another Encore episode for you today. Today, I'll be sharing episode 54, Tips for Working with Difficult People. This episode has almost 10,000 downloads or listens, which, which makes sense because this is a big issue. As a special education teacher or clinician or parent, you have to work with a lot of adults right? There's a lot of coworkers. There are a lot of kids playing in the sandbox and we've got to be nice to all of them and figure out a way to work with all of them. And you guys know when there is one person that is hard to work with, they are overly aggressive, they are opinionated, they are late, they seem like they don't care. It impacts your happiness at work, right? It impacts your job. And the really funny part of this episode, the behind the scenes of the creation of episode 54, is that my husband and I got in a huge fight while recording this episode, which is really funny because he's actually someone who I would categorize as a difficult person. We'll see if he listens to this and and hears me calling him that. But we got in a big fight when we were recording this episode because of differences in opinions on how we should phrase things and what types of strategies to share and the best way to explain the different strategies. So if you want to know what was happening behind the scenes, it wasn't all smooth sailing. I had to like re-listen to this episode and learn some of these strategies. So what we ended up deciding in this episode is we took four common team working strategies. Because when you Google like ways to work with difficult people or, you know, best ways to work with a hard coworker or something like that, 
you kind of get the same answers time and time again. So I pulled some of those four common strategies that are in a lot of those articles that you might link to and looked at why these strategies work in a behavior analytic way. So like under under the hood here, like why would this strategy work? Because I think sometimes when we know why something works, we have more buy-in to even try it. That's half the battle with working with a difficult person as we have such a filter for them. Like we have labeled them difficult, so we don't even bother trying. We're like, right? We're like, oh, that case manager, she just difficult, so I'm not even going to bother. Well, nothing's going to get better if we do, if we have that approach. So let's jump into 50, episode 54 and I hope you imagine Matt and I fighting in between all of these takes during this episode because that's what really happened. Today's episode is a listener's suggestion for a topic. So I had someone write in a while ago and ask if I could do a podcast episode about dealing with difficult people, whether that be administrators, colleagues, parents, etc. Difficult adults. At first, I wasn't really sure how this would work as a podcast, and I started thinking about it a little bit, and then I realized what an important topic this is. Because in our jobs, we have to deal with a lot of adults. And I hear from teachers all the time, especially teachers that are nearing burnout zone. It's the adults that exhaust me. It's not the kids. And it's likely not the collaborative, cooperative, friendly, lovely adults in your life. It's probably the difficult adults in your life that are exhausting you and pushing you towards burnout. So it's an important thing to think about, and it made me kind of consider how I approach dealing with difficult people. Because to be honest, my default mode is to avoid difficult people. I don't like conflict, and I sure as heck don't like difficult people. So I would prefer to just not deal with them and just totally avoid it and hide. But we all know that that scenario might work a little bit here and there, but it's not a long-term plan. Because there's situations where we have to work with difficult people. We don't have a choice. And now I'm not an expert in this area at all, but once I started thinking about scenarios in my career where I've had to work collaboratively with people that were quote-unquote difficult, I realized there are some strategies that I learned from applied behavior analysis. It all comes back to the science of human behavior. A lot of the strategies that I'm going to talk about in this episode might be things that you've heard before, but I'm going to put an ABA twist on it and explain why this strategy works, knowing why human behavior works the way it does. A lot of the strategies that you can utilize with quote unquote difficult people really mirror the strategies that we utilize for behavior change in our classrooms because ABA is the science of human behavior not the science of human behavior for individuals with autism. It's just behavior. So if we can start to look at what's reinforcing someone's behavior, what's maintaining it, and change the narrative in our head, we might be more successful not only working with difficult people, but not letting difficult people drive us crazy. Because that's half of it too. We're letting them get the best of us. They're keeping us up at night. We're coming home angry about them. We want to avoid that as well. So you're really going to be reframing your mindset. When it comes to quote unquote difficult people, I'd like you to shift the way that you think about the word difficult. 
And instead of challenging or difficult or whatever word you apply to this group of adults that you need to work with, instead, think of them as passionate, opinionated, eager, willful. If you remember episode 13 of the podcast, it was how to be your student's publicist. In that episode, I talked about putting a positive spin on your student's negative behaviors that your school community might be seeing. Well, we've got to put a positive spin on difficult people's behavior for ourselves. We're changing the narrative in our own head. It's very meta. So I'm going to talk about five different strategies that can help you when working with quote-unquote difficult people, but we're going to give it a behavior analytic spin because a lot of these strategies are probably going to be things that people have told you before, you've heard before, and you're going to be like, okay, okay. But let's dig a little deeper and figure out why these things actually work and how we can put them into action in a way that's ABA-based. So the first one, be calm. Okay, this is for sure one of those ones that you're probably going to roll your eyes. You're like, okay, yeah, be calm. Okay. I always quote this meme that I saw forever ago that said, never in the history of people being told to calm down has anyone ever calmed down. Easier said than done about not losing your temper and keeping your cool. But let's think about why behaviorally it's important to model the behavior you want to see. You've probably heard me say that line when it comes to your own students. You want to model the behavior that you want your students to do. If you want your students to communicate and raise their hand and not yell, then you shouldn't be doing, you should be doing all of those things as well. The same thing is going to come when working with challenging adults. You want to model the behavior you want to see more of. This happens especially for your team, for people that might be looking up to you. Think about your paraprofessionals. If you want them to come to you with concerns, if you want them to communicate respectfully, if you want, if you don't want them to snap at you or overreact or act defensive, then you shouldn't be doing any of those things either. This could be with clinicians that consult in your classroom that are coming to you for advice as you as the classroom teacher. You should be acting the way that you want them to do. And that's going to fall under the umbrella of being calm because I'm going to go ahead and assume that you want people that work with you to be calm and to not overreact and get overly emotional. So demonstrate what that looks like because people tend to match people's responses. If you are heated and you are yelling and you are energetic, the people that you are talking with are going to match that reaction. Suddenly it's two people yelling instead of two people having a conversation. Number two, Try to understand their intentions. All behavior happens for a reason. Behavior doesn't just come out of nowhere. There's a purpose. There's a context. There's a history of learning. So this is going to tie into a little bit how we think about functions of behavior in the ABA world. Behavior occurs to get access to something, but it's also affected by the history of that response. What happened before your interaction with that person today? So, and it's easier to just kind of make a quick assumption. It's easier to just say, this person is rude. That's the way they talk to me because they're just a rude person 
period, end of story. Well, there's not much you can do with that. And there's not many places you can go with that if you've just labeled a person as rude. Instead, let's try to dig a little deeper beyond the intentions behind someone talking, you know, really short or being really curt with you. Well, maybe that person knows that you're super busy and they feel like, you know, what they're contributing to your classroom is is pretty small. So when they talk to you or when they interact, they're abrupt and they're quick because they just want to get in and out and not waste your time. But you're interpreting that abruptness as rude and as not caring and not friendly. But their intention is actually something that's positive. They don't want to waste your time. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Or maybe it's the reverse. Maybe that clinician that's popping into your classroom is acting very abrupt or what you're perceiving as rude because they feel really busy and they feel like they don't have time. So it's their intention to communicate as quickly as possible to get in and out and get back to their busy schedule. If you've identified that intention behind their behavior, then next time they come in your class and you have something that you need to talk to them about, you can preface that question with, you know, Jane, I know you're super busy and you have a ton on your plate, but can I please steal one minute of your time to ask this question? Once you figure out or start to figure out the intentions behind a person's behavior, you can now make a plan. You can now help identify what that is and have figure out a way to get through to that person. It might make working with them easier because now you can understand that motivation and you can communicate that. Like, hey, I know you're in and out and that's why you're being so quick, but I've got one question for you. One more example of thinking about someone's intention behind their behavior Let's say you have a paraprofessional on your team that you correct something that they're doing with a student or some way they've run a station or behavior plan, and they become very defensive and overreact. Well, if you spend a little time thinking about their intention behind acting defensive and getting upset, it could be that they want to make sure that their hard work is seen and heard. This could be rooted in a lack of praise and reinforcement and feeling not appreciated. In their history of learning, they've been working really hard and not getting as much reinforcement and praise as they needed. And when you come in with a correction, they overreact because they're trying to justify all of the hard work they've been doing in their history of working on this skill or with this student. Number three, Focus on what is in your control and what is actionable. When I talk about student behavior change, I talk a lot about what's in your control. There's things that are outside of our control when it comes to our students. 
We can't control major family changes. We can't control how they slept the night before. If there was a medication change, if mom had a new baby and ooh man, your student hates that new baby. We can't control that. We want to identify with our challenging adults that we work with, what is in our control and what we can take action on. So let's say there's a team member who's having a lot of problems outside of school and they're really bringing that energy and that negativity into the classroom. Well, you can't control what's happening in their home life outside of school. You, There's nothing you can do to stop that. What you can take action on is identifying that you can see that that person has something going on in their life. Saying, hey, John, you know, I know you're having a rough time at home right now. And I know, you know, maybe your mom is sick and this and that. So if you ever need a break, you let me know. Um, you know, please make sure to let's stay on task or keep positive in the classroom. What you can take action on is change is giving that person the option of a break and ensuring that you know what's going on with that person and telling them what you want to see more of. Let's say on your IEP team, there's someone with a difficult personality. I'm just going to say that right That We all can picture that difficult personality. Maybe they're a one-upper. Maybe they're a know-it-all. Maybe they just take over the meeting. We've all been there, right? You cannot change that person's personality. You can't make them not a one-upper anymore. You can't make them not a know-it-all. But some things in your control are maybe changing the way the meetings are run. Maybe you can work with your case manager to make an agenda and have an order that people talk in or giving people specific outlines or a time limit for how long they talk. So you can change the structure of the meeting, but you can't change their quote-unquote difficult personality. Number four, ignore the nasty. So there may be times where someone goes real below the belt and says something really unkind, really just not okay. And in that moment, when someone says something really nasty, it's usually for the sole purpose of getting a reaction from you, of making you feel bad. And when someone says something nasty to you, what is your first thing you want to do? You want to say something nasty back, right? You said something nasty to me, I'll say something even worse to you. But in doing that, you are reinforcing their nasty statement. When they say the nasty statement, what the reinforcement they're looking for is your reaction. And when you give it to them, they when it's really hard to hear someone say something nasty to you and to not react because you feel like you're letting them get away with it and talk to you that way and how dare they but in reality when you give the reaction you're giving them just what they want so we're going to utilize a little planned ignoring good old planned ignoring We're going to ignore that behavior. We are not going to give it legs. We are not going to give them what they want. So next time someone says something truly not okay to you and you're like, you get that pit in your stomach and your body gets all hot, you know, and you get like real ragey and you are preparing the nastiest comeback ever. It's going to be just amazing. 
I want the words planned ignoring to pop in your head. And I want them to block anything you're about to say. And it's going to feel weird and super hard because you're going to feel like you're being a doormat and you're letting them talk to you that way and that they're winning. But in reality, this is the smart decision in the long term. It might feel good in the moment to react and yell and snap, but all you're going to do in the long term is get more and more nastiness. So next time someone tells something to you that is not nice and planned ignoring pops in your head, I give you full permission to turn around, walk outside of the room, and in your head think, man, that person just got ABA'd. Number five, keep it private. This is a big one, guys. This is the gossip. We want to avoid the gossip. Because gossip will be reinforced. When you want to talk smack about someone, first of all, you carefully select the person you want to talk smack with. If you want to talk about your coworker, Cheryl, and Cheryl's just a real bee. She's just a pain. You do not like working with her. She is the most difficult. You do not go pick Cheryl's best friend to talk with her about. You don't pick Cheryl's coworker. You pick someone that you know likely thinks the same thing as you. You go to lunch, you go to your break, you have your work happy hour, and you tell one of your friends or coworkers or colleagues, you know what? I had a rough week with Cheryl. She's a real bee. And what's that person going to say? Yeah, you're right. Cheryl is. Cheryl's the worst. Blah, blah, blah. It's unlikely they're going to be like, oh, no, you're wrong. Cheryl's really great. No, they're going to agree with you. And when they agree with you, you feel validated. It feels good. You're going to want to gossip even more. You're like, who else can we bring in to talk about Cheryl? This is great. Soon you're gossiping more and more often because when behaviors are reinforced, they're more likely to occur more frequently. So the gossip is going to continue and continue and continue. And this is a problem because when have you heard about gossip being helpful? When have you heard about gossip helping a situation? Never. You've never heard that because gossip doesn't help a situation. It's not productive and it's actually usually destructive. So this is a slippery slope. Once you start gossiping a little, it's easy for this to snowball and become a big problem. And this has become a big problem that's actually making things worse and not making things better. All right, so this is not an exhaustive list of all the strategies you can use for working with quote-unquote difficult people, nor am I an expert in this area. But I am an expert at thinking about how applied behavior analysis works in our everyday life because I'm kind of obsessed with thinking about how ABA applies in everyday situations. And once I started thinking about these common strategies for working in teams and working collaboratively and working through conflict, I saw how behavior analytic they were in their base and how when we work with these strategies in a way that's ABA focused, we can make some real change. So this list is a good place to start. 
And I hope that as you listened, you were able to reflect on a relationship that you have right now that is hard. And I hope that it got you thinking in terms of functions of behavior and starting to think about why this person is acting what they do and where the reinforcement is at. Who is reinforcing whose behavior in this situation? Thinking this way is not easy. It's easier to label people as difficult. It's easier to label people as hard to work with or rude or not a team player. But once you start thinking in an ABA type way about how you can make the best out of these relationships, your next steps on what to do will reveal themselves. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.